did you, do you have any crazy stories of like that of de-escalation oh yeah yeah um well, there was one, I was thinking about it here when you're talking about, a, you know, white cops in a black neighborhood. And, you know, I work the west side of Tacoma, the south end. And uh, it's a good, Tacoma was a good melting pot. But, you know, there were a lot of black people in my neighborhood. And I remember one lady, um, um, oh, she was just going up one side and down the other on me. And uh, she, her daughter had been assaulted in a, uh, in a fight at the park, you know, a great big uh, fight at the park. And so I was talking to her, knuckle the door, talk, talking to her. The daughter wasn't home and I was talking to mom and she was just livid. And she went in on that. She's like, you won't understand. You, you've never lived in this neighborhood. You're not this, you're not that. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I wasn't trying to get too frustrated, but I was just about having enough of this. I said, ma'am, would you, would you like a minority officer here? And she's like, I would. I said, all right, well, would you, would you take an officer missing his leg? That's my, in my head. Goes, You're damn right. You get him down here right now. And I just held my leg up and I was like, well, here I am. <laughs> she absolutely was not having it. She swore at me. She slammed the door. She, you know, I probably won't, you know, I won't say what she said here, but it was not nice, but it was funny. I'm so glad I did that just because I was, I was tired of hearing her. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, guys? Battle Line Podcast. Great episode that you're not going to want to miss with friend of the show, Matt Waters, retired Army Ranger and recently retired police officer working in EOD, Explosive Ordinance, all around certified badass. You heard him on episodes 39 and 130 previously. Um, so it was great to speak with him again. Hey, we're going to be doing a Q&A episode soon, so I want to encourage you guys to email us any of your questions to battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. We haven't done one in a while. That's battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. We will get your questions. Before we do get to this interview, the best collagen on the market is Bub's Naturals. All of Bub's Natural supplements really do have very important benefits that you're going to need. Uh, for example, post-workout or joint recovery, hair, skin, and nails, collagen is essential. As an energy source, their MCT oil powder is incredible. And then also their apple cider vinegar gummies for digestion, for cleansing the body. It's definitely a supplement you're going to want to take. But don't go crazy with them. If you have more than one of those as suggested... Uh, during a meal or something, uh, yeah, you, you don't want to overdo it because you're going to be running to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, but that they work for, for what you need them for. Once again, like cleansing the body, digestion, an issue a lot of people have, whether they're not getting enough fiber in their diet um, or, yeah, they're, they're in the middle of getting back into a healthy lifestyle and, uh, yeah, are trying to lose those extra pounds. I would highly recommend the apple cider vinegar gummies also, the best coffee on the market, Bub's Brew, the best hydration packs, hydrate or die. Check it all out at bubsnaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE and you're going to get 20% off. That's our promo code. If you want to help out this podcast and show your support, make sure to use it when you go to bubsnaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. Also wanted to remind you guys to pick up some merch over at the Battleline Podcast Vault, battlelinepodcast.etsy.com. I have new stickers um, that will send with any of you or any of you who order pins 
Um, we'll throw some of those your way. So check it out, battlelinepodcast.etsy.com. We hope to add more to that soon. But yeah, if you haven't already picked up one of those limited edition pins, do so. They kick ass. They're cool. It's a way to covertly rep the podcast and show your support with that iconic logo. Wow, my pointing skills because of the mirroring are off that you see right there if you're watching on YouTube. All right, let's get right over to the one and only Matt Waters. From Kansas City to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on, Battleline Podcast, and uh, I am on with a guy who's been on with us for two episodes, third episode, which we don't normally do, but I love talking to Matt Waters, uh, episode 39 and episode 130, uh, retired Army Ranger, mm-hmm. works in EOD as a police officer, and yeah, you've actually, when I think about the three episodes you've been on, this being the third, you've been with me for three different moves, three different <laughs> locations, so. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh... Uh, a mover and a shaker not by some some not by personal choice but or you know not by design but you know i mean that's sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles you know yeah, that is and i was with you for thing. two different moves right the first time you were on weren't you at a different place then you moved to georgia yep were yep. you originally florida i don't remember no so we went from washington state and then we moved to georgia and then this is my second move in georgia and actually we got the house on the market right now <laughs> no way yeah um because i've got uh i've got another job now which we will talk about you know we talked about earlier um but right now the where we live is an hour from work each way so it's kind of a it's kind of a grind on uh you know getting up in the mornings and you know my commute being an hour each way that's that's 10 hours in the car every single day and i know a lot of people every out there a week oh yeah yeah right yeah 10 hours a day <laughs> Ten hours a week. Thank you. Um, and I know a lot of other people out there do that, but you know, we've got a chance to move up closer to work. So my commute would be like a couple minutes. It's like six miles from work. So I'm definitely jumping at that chance. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of uh, other guys we've had on from Washington state who are uh, army Rangers. And I don't know if you know, Chris Dykos, we've had him on the show. He's a Washington guy. No, I don't know. Okay. He's an interesting guy because I would say, and I know Chris would agree um and, and he's proof of that the military and special operations are not a monolith like he's very openly i would say pretty left wing on just about everything oh sure and it, it's interesting meeting those guys because i do think when people go on social media or the stereotype 
is that especially special operations for one it's all white guys which it's mostly and then it's all very right wing neither of those are completely true we've also right. had guys like jake's wig who's a navy seal and you know th- there are those guys but yeah it's interesting i mean stereotype i guess is true to some extent yeah no we had a guy uh when i was in chris's time frame as well that was really far not like super far left but you know left and uh we'd have some interesting discussions not he and i but just in the platoon you know and uh anyone will tell you this though at the end of the day or the middle of the day it doesn't matter you know can he carry his ruck can he shoot straight can he drag you out can he do his job that's all that matters you know so yeah but we had some fun conversations with that guy And and that's actually why I like doing the podcast too, because I do have fun conversations with all of you guys, whether it's you or Chris Dykos, because you realize I think like the military and special operations is only one aspect, albeit like a big aspect of your life and how you view things in the world. Oh yeah, you know it's uh, you work with all walks of life, you know, and I do think that helps prepare you for life on the outside or just in life in general. You know, it gives you a pretty good understanding of judging people by their character and, you know, how they operate themselves versus where they've come from, how much money they have in their account or, you know, who they believe in. Yeah. So, so you said you're at a new job. Is this something different than we spoke last time? Cause I know that you were, you know, yeah. law enforcement officer doing EOD. Yeah. Right. So if you remember, um, I think the last time I was on, I looked like a, like I had my ass handed to me because I was coming off a graveyard shift and, uh, I was with the, uh, the college police department where I took a job down here for seven months. So retired from Tacoma and then came down here. Um, one of the jobs I was looking for wasn't panning out, you know, and then pandemic time and Hey, need a, need a paycheck, need some bennies. So I, uh, uh, did some networking and I got another job. It was a police job, which I said I didn't want to do, but you know, you got to go with what you know, but I didn't settle for that. So I got that job. I was there for seven months. And then the entire time I was just looking for, you know, what I want to do with my life. And uh, I settled uh, with Daniel Defense. I got a job with Daniel Defense, applied for them and they picked me up. And I've been there since September of last year. So I didn't even know that because you mentioned Daniel Defense to me. So you were no longer a police officer, you're retired. Right. Right. Yeah. I retired. And then, you know, with being the, um, being with the college police department for only seven months, I just resigned from that job when I got the job offer from Daniel defense. So when you say you didn't want to be a police officer and you settled for it, like what's, what are the reasons? Because the interesting thing is I know that, you know, state by state things differ. A lot of people here in New York state, especially pandemic time left the left law enforcement and went to Florida and went to states they felt were more law enforcement friendly. I mean, I would assume you being in Georgia, you don't deal with it quite as much as like people on the coasts. Um, But was there, what was the reason you didn't want to be a part of that anymore? Um, Well, I did 17, uh, 17 and a half years on the West coast with Tacoma, kind of sunsetting on my career as law enforcement. You know, you're not that I'm getting near the end of being useful, you know, uh, uh, on the job, (laughs) but it was either promote on or just be a street cop for, you know, the entire time. And with my injuries, um, I really started seeing some of the writing on the wall. It was, um, it was, I don't want to say that my handicap was handicapping me, but you know, it was time to look long game and I didn't want to run my body into the ground. You know, you can eat right, you can work out, but if you're still beating your body, um, that hard, you know, work in the street, getting in foot pursuits, fighting, um, in and out of a car, 
you know, 40 plus hours a week that takes a toll. And I was getting to the point where I was having surgery after surgery after surgery, you know, even all these years later, and they're stretching out to like two, three years apart, but that takes a toll. So it was like, yeah. And I mean, we should mention to the listeners, I'm just thinking, cause there's probably people who do haven't heard your full story yeah. and they could hear back in 39. But I mean, what Matt's talking about is that you lost your leg in combat. So, right. Yeah. I got hit with an RPG and I lost, um, just below my left leg or just below my left knee, um, on my left side, um, took it clean off. So wearing a prosthesis at work, you know, even in life that, that wears on you. It's, you're not designed to, the body's not designed to operate that way and you get by and you do really good, but I'll get sores. I'll get spots that just flare up on me for no reason. And, you know, you can drink a cup of coffee and pound a couple of Motrin and call it good, but that's a short-term fix. You know, long-term is it's going to keep grinding and keep, you know, getting infected and sore and whatnot. And you're just going to burn your body into the ground. And I kind of saw that writing on the wall. And that's one of the reasons why I got out of law enforcement was um, my body was just, I didn't want to be in a rascal, have to be in a rascal scooter someday, you know, zipping around the house. Um, that's, it's tough. You know, I'm not that type of person that takes that very well. I've got to be mobile. I've got to be doing stuff. Even when I'm on my crutches, I'm not that happy of a camper. So I wanted just to kind of extend, you know, um, my healthy, the, 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 the health of my limb, you know, so I can have it later on in life when I'm just chasing grandkids and working around the house type stuff. Yeah. So I, because I've never really asked you about this, now you doing stuff with Daniel Defense, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't even think we've ever spoken about it on a podcast. Are you a guy who's always had a passion for firearms? Is that your thing? Not really. Um, I mean, I enjoy shooting, you know, I'll take my daughter, I took my son to the range. Um, but it wasn't like an every week thing. I was never a competition shooter. It was always just something, you know, fun to do. Um, and then coming out of the military and going to Daniel defense, I had a very good understanding of the end user, uh, portion of the rifles. Uh, it's kind of mind blowing how much I learned of, about the rifles that I did not know from the military. It just, putting those things together and building them, the amount of work um, and knowledge that you have to have is, is mind blowing. So it's been a ton of fun. And were they looking for like a guy from the special operations community who had that background or? Nope, not at all. I mean, you know, we're hiring right now. Um, and again, kind of like the military, we'll take people from all walks of life. As long as you're ready to come there and work um, just like anyone else, you know, restaurant industry, you know, manufacturing is the same way. Um, come and be ready to work and be, you know, motivated to be there and do the right thing. Um, yeah, no, my, I think my special operations background didn't have much to do with it more along the lines of because a spot I got hired for was a leadership position. Um, just some of my leadership capabilities and some of the stuff I could bring to the table there. Um, it was a very steep learning curve, uh, trying to learn and get up to speed with the manufacturing world and how they did stuff at Daniel defense. And I learned, but it, it was fast and furious for sure. Are, are you going to miss like the action and adrenaline of the jobs that you previously did? Because this is entirely and uh, entirely different. I mean, I, I know it's yeah. guns and people think military, but yeah, you're not chasing down anyone. You're not having to get into firefights or, uh, you know, have to defend yourself against bad guys. That's yeah. it's a totally different world. No. Um, in fact, you know, I think back to when I first started and what it was, you know, and that's another reason why I left was some of the political stuff in Washington state that was just getting out of hand. Um, no, I don't miss it. I don't miss the adrenaline rush. I don't miss the, um, 
um, you know, the, the car chases or anything like that. It was fun, but I got it out of my system. Uh, and the other thing is just like anything, you live with too much adrenaline all the time. That's not good either. You know, um, and I, that was another reason why when I was with Tacoma that I stepped away from the street and I went to the training division because I kind of, I saw other cops and I saw other military folks go through stuff like this when you're running and gunning and you're out there patrolling this, that, and the other, and then you quit cold turkey, you know, that I've seen some people struggle with that. And I realized for myself that that was something that wasn't going to be that easy for me to do. So I kind of started a slow transition away from the street and into a training gig where I was still part of the world, but I wasn't getting, you know, that adrenaline dump all the time. I really wanted to step away and just uh, um, see how, see how the slow um, distancing away from the job did. And it, it benefited me a little bit. Cool. Well, uh, th- one of the reasons I wanted to have you on or that I was just thinking, hey, it's been a while since we had Matt on and be cool to see an update was I saw the picture that you put up and I think uh, our video uh, editor Harold could probably put this up as long as you're comfortable with it. Yeah. That your daughter uh, recently was awarded two scholarships and those were on behalf of the Rangers Scholarship Fund and the Three Rangers Foundation. What was interesting to me is Three Rangers. I mean, we've had Dal Sizemore on the show. Mm-hmm. I just assumed they were a whiskey company. I didn't know that they were doing any like really great things to help out the community. And, and that was actually like a, a pleasant surprise to see. Right. Yeah, that was... Uh... You know, I had my daughter apply for those. And, um, you know, the second one was, you know, out of the blue that they awarded her, which was awesome. Um, And another great thing was because of work, I couldn't be there. And that, you know, sounds awful. But what was really cool is I got a hold of one of my Ranger buddies over in Columbus. I was like, hey, man, can you step in for me? And yeah, he was there with um, my wife and my daughter up there, you know, looking all nice in a suit and tie, um, you know, representing, representing the family, you know, so that was it was really cool. And it's really great to see that the, uh, that regiment and, you know, um, the Ranger associations are still out there looking after families. I really, I appreciate it. And it's just, it's really cool. It makes you feel like it's home. So where, where is she going off to college? Uh, Kennesaw state. And where's, where's that? Just cause I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I got to do it by map and think about it. It's, I believe it's in Kennesaw, but it's just kind of, um, Northwest of Atlanta. Oh, okay. So she won't be far. She's, but she's no. going to be, um, not staying at home like I did. Yeah, no, she'll be, you know, close enough to home, but far enough away to be on her own, you know, like four or five hours. All right. That's cool. That's actually kind of how I was the first year of college. Cause I went to, uh, Temple university in Philadelphia. Then I moved back home. I kind of liked being back here on long Island and yeah, I've never really moved out of Long Island long term. I mean, I was in Philadelphia for one year. And then, as you know, the last time you were on, I was in Connecticut for a year. And now I'm right. back here. I always think of moving to other states. But I think it's just, man, I I don't have that same background that you or Chris did of the military where you're constantly moving. Like, I know so many yeah. people here. And I think when you get used to being in a place, mm-hmm. it's hard to move. But I also love Long Island, as expensive as it is. Sure. Yeah, yeah. it's what you know. Yeah. You know? So the these last days on the job of being uh you know doing eod or any of that like any crazy stories anything interesting um you know with the fourth coming around that's always was a, a great holiday um and honestly in tacoma you know as far as eod stuff went yeah we we saw some things a lot of it was just like uh sparkler bombs you know or uh you know some fireworks that you'd seize and had to be destroyed type thing or modified fireworks um, you wouldn't see anything too crazy. And honestly, I was telling somebody at work, um, 
oh, last week that uh, like this is the third July or the third, fourth of July in like 20 years that I've had off because um, I've had the last pre previous three off. But yeah, for 20 years, I was always working the fourth of July as a cop, you know, in the last kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, it's it's a big money day. You know, it's holiday. If it's your day off, you're getting double time you know, and with EOD, you know, we would stage somewhere and usually near um, the waterfront. I think they're doing it uh, somewhere different this year because I still talk to some of the guys back there. Um, but with EOD, I mean, you're kind of just waiting for something to happen and then you go there and handle it. So, you know, I'm not saying we, uh, we didn't bring out the barbecue, you know, and bring out some good meats and whatnot and a TV and just wait for something to happen. But that's usually what we did sitting on our butts and kind of enjoying the day with each other and making some money. So out of all those years, there wasn't a year where you came across something that was like, holy shit, they put something together. That's just, okay. As far, as, crazy. As, far as devices go, no, um, we, we would uh, respond with SWAT. So anytime SWAT went out, we would go out as well. Cause we got, you know, the great big robot, this, that, and the other, there was definitely some SWAT call outs that uh, got pretty hairy um, there was a guy in Tacoma that just, and I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up, but I'll get you the gist is he was in his home and he just started cranking rounds out the windows of his home and, uh, shot up his neighborhood pretty good. So SWAT went out there and, um, I want to say he, he got out of the house before we were able to respond. So he was in the wind, but yeah, that was, that was a pretty hairy day. But as far as the fourth goes and suspicious devices, no, I mean, our bread and butter was just every other day of the year it seemed we were doing something so that was not a fourth of july story because i was wondering if you were saying if it was if if this guy like the sound kind of blended in with the sound of fireworks then people noticed it was a fourth this guy's okay so it was like holy shit this guy's actually firing something yeah yeah and you know uh, tacoma residents <laughs> some of them are pretty good at discerning uh, gunshots from fireworks your average citizen <laughs> usually not um but a lot of calls came in about this guy because i think there was damage too i think he was just cranking off rounds um i don't know if it went to the neighbor's house or not i don't exactly remember it was it was years ago but uh that was one where it was like hey if this guy's not not here he's in the wind this is not good but i don't honestly remember what happened with that i don't know if we ever caught him or not i don't remember stories like that are so crazy man like what do you even attribute that to is that a mental health issue i mean is is what is it what what makes a person go off like no clue i mean yeah it definitely could have been mental health i mean you look at some of the state the stuff we're facing in our society now especially in our bigger cities you know especially the yeah. west coast um you know i i believe it was re related to mental health but how can i be sure i mean it could have been drugs and alcohol drugs, which yeah that also delves into you know, mental health, but whatever the guy was doing, you know, for whatever reasons, that wasn't good. wasn't good for his neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on that topic of, of stuff going on with the police, I sent you over that video of, uh, the Phoenix police story of these guys who were the Phoenix police officers who were shot at, I think it was outside of a seven 11 or some type of convenience store. And then after being shot at, people recorded what went on and they were like did the police go too far in responding to this type of thing it's it's really um i mean it's horrifying but also just interesting to see the effects that things have had of ev everybody now having a cell phone on right. them at all times and recording what goes on with police encounters everybody is able to be a monday morning monday morning quarterback and say the police shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that 
I mean, I'm sure it has affected the type of person who would be a police officer being like, I don't want to get involved with this. If, if right. every single thing I do is going to be filmed, going to be scrutinized. And I'm sure you've had to deal with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I remember being uh, a school cop. And anytime you get anything at the school, you know, you're arresting a kid for this after a fight in the lunchroom. I mean, not only do the cell phones come out, but you're on video surveillance at the schools and never had a problem. It's like film away, you know, just don't interfere. Just don't get up in anybody's face, you know, stand back and, you know, and they'll yell at you. I'm filming you. I'm filming you. Okay. Good for you. You know, have a great day. You know, I really didn't, uh, I was always pretty even keeled and it wasn't going to affect like, Oh man, I better, I better bring it down a couple notches because I was always down a couple notches. You know, I'd, never really bothered me. Um, but yeah, that, that is definitely weighing. I mean, you see what's going on in society now. And, uh, I definitely think that's, uh, hurting recruiting shoot. It's hurting recruiting in the military. Um, all the things that are going on. Do you think when you say you were already down a couple of notches, do you think that's due to your special operations, military background? I mean, obviously with your injury, being in combat, no matter what you were doing every day at the police department, like you've seen worse and you've seen it be more chaotic. So yeah. I feel like you're able to handle stress better than probably your average civilian who became a police officer. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, um, training in stressful situations and even, you know, live situations helped. Um, yeah, there was times that my heart rate wouldn't get up, you know, or if it did, I was able to like, hey, let's take a couple breaths and think about this while we're doing it. Um, I was never one to come in, you know, hard and heavy. You know, um, unless I, I mean, there was that time I got, we were, my partner and I were getting shot at. And even then, um, I was yelling for the guy to drop the gun as we were shooting, you know, and, and it was heard on video surveillance, but there was people with cell phone videos out there. They still heard me 20 seconds, 30 seconds into the shooting, still yelling for this guy to drop his gun, you know, cause I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, maybe I can just get through to this guy. You know, so, so there are some things that your brain travels in different wavelengths, you know, thanks to your training and some of the stuff you've gone through, um, you know, and then just that's not to say that the average person can't handle it, but I, I definitely think it helped me. Yeah. And do you think that they're doing what they should be doing in terms of recruiting guys who come out of the military or come out of special operations to join the police force? Because um, one thing I would see, I remember actually was talking about going to Hofstra University, I would see ads readily up for police officers and, and this would, um, or police recruiting. And this actually probably goes into the affirmative action debate happening right now, but I'm just telling you what I would see. I mean, the posters would say women and minorities encouraged to apply, which to me means you're probably more likely to get the job if you're a woman or you're a minority. Um, and you know, I, there is something to the two police, um, to basically the police looking more like the neighborhood they're in. I do understand that, that sure. if you're in a black neighborhood, you don't want to have all white police officers. It could, it could look bad just in terms of the aesthetic of that, I guess. But at the same time, like that has nothing to do with your qualifications. Right. And I'd probably rather have someone there who, yeah, has been in combat, knows how to handle a stressful situation rather than someone who is going to panic. Right. Um, I think obviously a mixture of both, you know, you can't put all your, you know, all, you want, Hey, we want all these good people from the special operations community or infantry or seals or whatever. You can definitely get good people out of there. I've seen military folks come to the police departments and not cut the mustard. 
you know, I've seen civilians, you know, guys that were guys and gals that would, uh, were good human beings, not cut the mustard. It's just like any job. Um, you know, some of the best cops I've met had no military experience. I'm sure, you know, um, because the thing is, is like, yes, it's, it's good to have that, you know, running and gunning experience, you know, okay. Yeah. I've been in some bad situations and I know I can handle it, but that's not your day in and day out. It's good to have that in the tool bag, but it's also really good to know how to talk to people and how to talk them down. And that was one thing I'd tell my recruits when I was in the training division is, Hey, you can go out here and you can talk yourself into a fight every single day, but your money's made by not doing that. The money made your money's made by smoothing the situation over, you know, talking people into handcuffs, talking people into their homes, you know, talking people down from a bridge, whatever. Um, your money's made with the gift of gab. You know, that's how you successfully law enforce uh, or enforce laws, you know, or do law enforcement. Um, yes, it's good to have those other, you know, things in your, in your tool bag, you know, medical stuff, uh, gunfighting stuff, but, you know, social work is... <laughs> A lot of people are like, oh, you're a social worker. And it's like, <laughs> no, but you kind of need to be social and you kind of need to know how to solve problems without, you know, your fists or your guns. Did you, do you have any crazy stories of like that, of de-escalation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there was one. I was thinking about it here when you're talking about, a, you know, white cops in a black neighborhood. And, you know, I work the west side of Tacoma, the south end. And uh it's a good, Tacoma was a good melting pot, but you know, there were a lot of black people in my neighborhood. And I remember one lady, um, um, oh, she was just going up one side and down the other on me. And, uh, she, her daughter had been assaulted in a, uh, in a fight at the park, you know, a great big, uh, fight at the park. And so I was talking to her, knuckle the door, talk, talking to her, the daughter wasn't home and I was talking to mom and she was just livid. And she went in on that. She's like, you won't understand. You, you've never lived in this neighborhood. You're not this, you're not that. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I wasn't trying to get too frustrated, but I was just about having enough of this. I said, ma'am, would you, would you like a minority officer here? And she's like, I would. I said, all right, well, would you, would you take an officer missing his leg? That's my, <laughs> in my head. Goes, you're damn right. You get him down here right now. And I just held my leg up and I was like, well, here I am. <laughs> she absolutely was not having it she swore at me she slammed the door she you know I probably won't you know I won't say what she said here but it was not nice but it was funny I'm so glad I did that just because I was, I was tired of hearing her <laughs> it's it's weird because I, I would think that comes in a handy in some situations right there's probably people who are like I don't want to be as much of an asshole to this guy because he's probably gone through a lot no, you know, there's not, there's not too many people that see that, you know, here and there in a social contact. Yeah. But when, you know, people are at their worst, you know, when they call 911, a lot of times they really don't care about, you know, your background or anything about you. You're yeah. a uniform and you represent, you know, you represent that uniform, you represent the city, you represent something they might hate. Um, so they really don't care about your background. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of other times when, you know, I've used my, my trauma from the past of being wounded, um, you know, in some of the dark moments I've gone through, I've absolutely used that on the street, uh, to help people. Um, cause I think that for a lack of a better term, it would give you street cred, you know, cause you can come into a situation and you can go, Hey, no, I, I understand when they're pouring out their heart you say, Oh, I understand. And they can look you dead in the face and go, has it happened to you? How do you understand? How do you know? 
so I would be very careful about what I said, you know, to some people, if I hadn't experienced it, I'd say, oh man, I can only imagine, you know, but when there were some things I was like, hey, no, I understand. And let me tell you how. I would try to level with them. So I would, you know, give them an understanding that, hey, I've been in some horrible spots myself. Let me tell you how I've come out of them. So I've definitely used that, uh, my injuries and my trauma um, to try to help people. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, it, it makes you, I guess, more relatable. But yeah, you are right. When when the police show up, they're they're definitely not on their best oh, yeah. behavior. Um, yeah. I wanted to get your opinion on actually like a recent thing going on, ongoing. I spoke about it with Chris on the show, but I'd probably want to hear your opinion. And this does go into like the regional differences of how things are handled was that story about that Marine Daniel Penny um, putting the, you know, subway rider who was being belligerent in a headlock. Um, I definitely don't want to use the term killing the guy because the guy later died in the hospital. He kept him in the headlock. Right. They brought him to the hospital. That's where he died. But uh, Daniel Penny being charged with manslaughter. Uh, I know that he, wait, you know, they did contact police while he had him down and it took 15 minutes for police to get there. So he had him confined for 15 minutes you know, right. because he wasn't going to let him go and let him start to harm other passengers on the subway. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I had not been in that exact situation, but I've, you know, been in plenty of situations with people that were uh, what we used to call 414, which was uh, in our code for um, mental health issues, or, you know, they're so strung out on drugs that, you know, they're not of their right mind. Um, I have looked at this situation a little bit, not much just because, uh, for my own personal things, I tend to stay away from the news and a lot of police stuff. Um, in fact, there's I times understand when, that. Yeah. You're yeah. Like away from work. I, right. <laughs> you know, and like I said, you know, uh, I tried to give that up, you know, I, I did it for 18 years, including the college job, which, you know, wasn't the same as Tacoma, which was nice, but you know, I really wanted to put that behind me. So a lot of that stuff, it's like, well, what does that have to do with me? But it's also good to you know, like in this aspect, you know, talk to people about it. Um, unfortunately, I haven't looked at that situation too much. I just know the gist is that there, you know, there was an altercation, um, you know, that the, the young man was going nuts on the, uh, on the subway. And uh, uh, what did you say, Daniel? Is that his first yeah, name? Yeah, Daniel Penny, the yeah, Marine. Daniel, yeah. Um, intervened. And, you know, from one standpoint, I say, hey, he absolutely did the right thing. Um, you know, you can't sit there and go, well, gosh, if I put hands on this guy and he dies, you know, um, you know I'm going to be in trouble because the other side of that is, well, if I did nothing and someone dies, then I carry that. Yeah, OK, I'm not going to be in trouble, maybe. But now I could have done something and I didn't and someone died. Um, I, I honestly think he made the right choice, you know, getting in and subduing that kid. And here's the problem with our society is, you know. We're teaching people that, hey, even if you intervene and they die, well, you're at fault. And it's like, no, that's that's not true because we've gone from, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're shooting people, we're clubbing people, we're doing this, we're doing that. And now we're, we're downgrading our um, um, uses of force. Like this kid did, you know, his use of force, the, the next lowest thing would be like, hey, stop. Hey, stop. You know, I, you can't go much lower than he did. The only thing he did was physically subdue this kid and you know what? That should not have killed him. Uh, and what I mean by that is the, the way it went down. And like you just said, he died later at the hospital. He didn't die on scene. So it's not like he was trying to murder this kid. He's like, I'm just trying to subdue him to stop this behavior. You know, and it's what's happening to him is awful. Hey, I'm yeah. sorry that kid died, 
But, you know, there's a lot of failures going on leading up to that point, not on Daniel. Absolutely. And uh, when I spoke about it on the podcast with Chris, when it was a little bit fresher in the news media and stuff, as Chris said, and a lot of people have echoed this, is people are going to be less likely to intervene to help others out now. And you're not going to have the good guy who who fixes a situation because this is going to be weighing on them. They are going to remember something like this. I mean, because I think this is much different personally than like the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. This is, I think, for most people, a little bit more understandable. And they'll say, all right, I, I, you know, even if I have the martial arts background to get involved and intervene, I'm just going to walk away and let all hell break loose because this is how we're being treated, especially in states like here, in states like New York. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the only people that are going to society. Society is going to suffer. You know, the the good law abiding people are going to suffer. Um, and we're seeing, you know, the the criminal element succeed. We're seeing them, you know, run the show right now um, across our nation. And unfortunately, I think, like you just said, that's going to be one of the things that comes out of this. When you get good people that intervene and they're being hemmed up on charges, you know, for intervening, you're going to get a lot less people intervening. You know, we're going to get a lot of good people hurt. You know, and again, there needs to be other things done with, you know, these mental health situations. Um, you know, this kid running around on the subway, you know, with whatever issues he's got, maybe that, maybe that, that shouldn't have been happening. Where's the family? You know, where's society on that one? Because the second we get a kid that does something right, society's condemning him. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting story and also the way it was spun by the media because I know that the the kid who died was a Michael Jackson impersonator and they put up a lot of like videos of him doing that stuff and he was super talented, but they almost made it, They there's people in media that framed it as if that's what he was right. doing when he was choked and when he was choked out and that's obviously not what he was doing. He was right. getting belligerent and there were other passengers getting involved, but Daniel was the one with the background to be able to really put him in that hold. Um, in the video, there was another black passenger who was helping, who was assisting right. Daniel in getting this guy down. So then also making it a racial issue. There clearly was no racial issue. So No, I think honestly, it was a, um, it was a spur of the moment thing that happened. This was not a targeted, you know, hate crime. This was uh, a spur of the moment thing that happened. Um, you know, and you bring up something interesting, you know, not interesting, but something that's prevalent is um, how the media spins things. And it's like, Oh, he was a, a Michael Jackson impersonator, or he was this, or this person was that. And it's like, what does that have to do with the situation? How did that make the situation? No, the only thing you're doing by saying that is, you know, you're pulling at the heartstrings of people. In fact, I saw an article today um, about a, a drug overdose and, you know, that sucks. And they're like, he was in a $950,000 apartment. And it's like, and what does that have to do? you know, with a drug overdose, drug overdoses can affect anybody, you know, it can it affect the, the person living on the street, it can affect the person living in a million dollar condo, who cares? Why is that part of the article? Yeah, I guess the only thing that I could think of connecting it is, um, it, it probably depends also on on which drugs, but I think people associate with certain drugs, like being in bad neighborhoods, yes. being with minority groups, and that has all changed, especially with fentanyl and all of that. Oh, yeah. We're seeing it in all over, and people are seeing that, yeah, there's probably guys who work on Wall Street who are, well, I mean, always work because cocaine was prominent there, but that are overdosing, sure. that make millions of dollars and on the same drugs that some kid in the projects is ODing on. Right, 
right? You know, it's just, it's interesting how things are skewed to drive your uh, perception. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hope you're enjoying this episode with Army Ranger Matt Waters. Before we continue, got to talk about the best ammo on the market, Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact, their trademark in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Um, if you pan over to me on the video here, you'll see I always stay prepared with these Fort Scott tins that are available on the site. I think they might still have the Battle Line Tactical tins on the site. They are awesome. Be sure to order those or any of their ammo or gear. It's available in all 50 states, but you're going to get the best deal through us when you simply go to FSM.com and use the promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. That's FSM.com, promo code BATTLELINE, only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Tonto Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. As always, when we talk about the best ammo, you know what's up, the best night vision out there. Photonis Defense. This is military-grade night vision. You do not want to mess around with anything else. Now you can have the superpower to see in the dark with the Viper Binocular Night Vision System by Photonis Defense, which is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize Photonis Defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and enthusiasts can rely on the Photonist Defense Viper Binocular to become masters of darkness. The new Viper Binocular system carries the same features and benefits as the Photonist Defense Viper Monocular with a ruggedized body and harnesses the power of the echo intensifier tubes, giving you sharper images, reduced halo, and industry-leading ultra-fast auto-gating across the range of dynamic operating conditions. You're going to want to check this out right now. Um, pause the podcast or make a bookmark. Um, their website is the best and gives you plenty of information that you need. And that's photonistdefense.com, P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S, defense.com for more information. Or look for Photonist Defense product options from your night vision dealer. All right, appreciate you guys listening to who sponsors the show. Hopefully you go out and support them. And with that, let's get right back to friend of the show, all around great dude, Matt Waters. So you, I, I at least wanted to ask now that you're no longer, you know, in police department, in the army, you're pursuing a new career, you're doing cool stuff with your family. What are, uh, I've never really asked you, like what are, other, are your other hobbies outside of that? What have you been up to just in your you know, personal life aside from family and, and all that? You know, um, I'll be honest, the move, moving across the country um, was hard, is still hard. Um, 
you know, not that I can't make friends, but you know, when I wasn't working for several months and then I got a job, you know, working rotating shift between day shift and graveyard at a small police department, you know, uh, trying to build friendships was hard, you know, and that's something that has been, um, uh, a struggle for me. So my hobbies lately have just been, uh, work and then coming home from work and just relaxing. Um, you know, are you at least close enough to go to any like Braves games or stuff like that? Or are you too far out from that? No, too far from that. But we actually caught a Savannah Bananas game. I don't know if you heard about them. No, no. Yeah. So it's a I don't know if it's necessarily minor league baseball, but it's more of like a, a game and a show like it, it loosely follows baseball rules, but it's more of just about the entertainment. I mean, they've got uh, they'll have a batter out there on stilts. Um, so this sounds like the Harlem Globetrotters for baseball type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah just like that. Um, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I forget the ticket price, but it's uh, ticket price. And then it's all you can eat, hot dogs, hamburgers, chips and stuff. Wow. You know, so <laughs> it, the nice thing about it is it's a total family affair. You know, yeah. when we lived in Washington, you couldn't go to the state fair with a family of four and get out of there without spending, you know, two, three hundred bucks between entry fee, food, games and all that and rides for the kids. You know, I mean it was, it was a pretty hefty day. I mean, look at what, you know, Disneyland and some of the amusement parks are going through. I mean, yeah, you got to take a, a week off from work and you've better saved a couple months paychecks to go to those places. So it's nice to go to something that's relatively cheap. The only problem is that they're so popular trying to get um, tickets can kind of be tough. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I do relate to what you're saying because as I, as I mentioned earlier on the show, um, a year ago I was in Connecticut. I was only there mm -hmm. for a year, but I was an hour away from Long Island. And anytime I wanted to hang out with people, I was back here on Long Island. I have no friends in Connecticut, did yeah. not make any friends in Connecticut. I mean, we had Alex who lived in the same uh, apartment complex as me on the podcast, who was a Vietnam veteran, like very cool guy. Yeah. It was good meeting him. But there was no one that I like hung out with regularly in Connecticut. And that's, right. you know, it's funny because I've there's been times on the podcast I came very close to moving to Florida. And that's the one thing that kind of keeps me from doing it is that anytime I'm in Florida, man, I have a great fucking time. I, I like doing things solo. I go to the beach. I, I, I'll go to shows there. I'll go to like the Hard Rock Casino and, and all that. But at a certain point, especially not being married or a relationship or any of that, that does get played out at a certain point. And you do right. want to spend like time with your friends, time with your family. Yeah. And I do always realize like going to Islander games with my dad, going to Mets games with my friends, going to concerts, you know, that is those are the things that make life so enjoyable and right. you know that's why when people always be like living in new york is so expensive you don't have the summer year round which you would love in florida right um, all of that just being honest it does pale in comparison to like those bonds that are so important yeah i think so yeah and that's with you know i just said you know we're looking at moving again um going uh, about an hour north is because that's where daniel defense is at um and I've got some great relationships at work. It's just, Hey, if you want to hang out in the weekend, you know, yes, I could do that. Absolutely. But you know, uh, an hour, hour and a half to go see somebody, you know, for a beer or, you know, you get to the point where you're like, man, all I've been doing is driving. I don't want to drive more. <laughs> yeah. And then also having friends that are just like work friends, you see them all the time anyway. Right. So you kind of want to see other people, right? Anyone that you're around five days out of the week, see, 
seeing them more I mean, it's it's truly like a marriage at that point right right you know but i i do think i need to give uh my wife a break uh from me <laughs> yeah go hang out with somebody so yeah that's understandable man i've i've yeah been there before but it's cool that you're finding like other things to do i've i do yeah. have friends who live in in georgia and i have heard good things um other than driving to florida when i was thinking of moving there i've never really spent much time there so i don't I, I don't have much uh, that I that I've like done there or seen there that I thought was cool to do there. So yeah, it's cool to hear from your perspective. Like, well, other than that game, what else is there that like you love around your area? Um, well, let me say that when you drove to Florida, you probably drove right. Past, you went down ninety five, right? I, I believe so. Most okay. likely, you drove right past my house almost. <laughs> if I if I end up moving to like really moving to Florida, we got to hang out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Was, it, that that depends if we were here by that time. Whenever you did that, but, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's, we live right there, right between Brunswick and I'm sorry, um, Jacksonville and Savannah. We live an hour right in the middle. Um, but that's something that I look forward to is you know getting up to a spot where I'm going to feel more settled because because right where we're at right now, hey. I've got a home, you know, um, but we don't have much here. We live in a really small town. And if you didn't grow up here, you don't work here, you know, you're not going to have relationships. So that's why I really look forward to, you know, getting up uh, closer to Savannah and, uh, and we're not going to be in Savannah, but, you know, about 30 minutes from it, but there'll be more stuff to do up there. Um, there's a really good shooting range um, just south of Savannah that I want to go to. And then the other thing I'd like to do is once I get, you know, uh, a little bit more money in my bank account, a little bit more financially stable is get back into riding dirt bikes. There's some really good uh, dirt bike riding out here. Yeah. Yeah. How long were you at the current house that you're at right now? Um, Let's see. It's been a year and a half now. Okay. And you bought it though? Yeah. Are you going to make a profit off of it? Hope to. Uh, okay. drop the price a little bit. Um, I think the thing that we got going against us is, uh, you know, it is a small town and, you know, there might be, uh, people that are drawn closer to the bigger cities. You know, the nice thing is that if anyone's listening and you're going to Fletzy, I'm like 12 miles from Fletzy, you know, so, Hey, you're going to be far enough from work, but also close enough that it's not going to be a bad commute. So come check us out. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting to be there for only a year and a half and have to move out. Like you probably spent so much time getting everything in there and then doing another move. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'll ever end up owning a home, but then here on Long Island, like owning a home, it's, you, you gotta be a millionaire pretty much. Yeah. Um, well, and the other thing that's beneficial was when we moved from Washington, you know, to Georgia is we dumped you know, a lot of our big stuff, we, we downsize so much that, you know, moving now is gonna be like, okay, that's not too bad. We, you know, we got some heavy <laughs> items, but you know, we, we got rid of so much stuff, which was nice. Cause the other thing is when you're getting rid of all of it, you're like, what do we have all this for? We yeah, don't it's all this true. Stuff. That is true. Especially because so much stuff is digital now. Um, because like so many of my items that I don't know if I'll ever be able to move completely. Like I have a massive CD collection. And that's all at my parents' house, you know, and I'm, I'm yeah. never going to sell them all. I like having, I still, I, I, I point this out on other podcasts. Like I still regularly buy CDs, like these nice. are new. Um, and then I have like a pretty good DVD collection and, and my books. And then also like the books I would never sell are people I've had on the podcast who have signed books to me. 
Like I'm never going to get, I'd be an asshole. I'm not going to get rid of those. Like I'm going to keep right. those of all the books that I've had that were personally signed to me, I, you know? So yeah, but moving all that stuff, it's a lot. So some of that, a lot of that is at my parents. Some of it's in like in the closet here. Yeah. Um, you know, last thing that I'm wondering that I don't think I've ever asked you. And um, I was just thinking about when you're talking about your injury, do you, do you ever mentor guys who have lost limbs either, um, just doing the line of work that you've done before or other circumstances. Cause I was actually just, um, thinking on Instagram recently, and I don't know if you ever heard about this. Um, there was a band called, or there is a band called the ghost inside who got into a tour bus accident a few years back. Um, they were really having like an upward tra trajectory and their drummer, who's amazing. I can't pronounce his last name. It's like a very Polish last name, but Andrew T something. Mm -hmm. um, he lost his leg on in that bus accident. He learned to play again. They're still nice. doing shows like years later. But I heard that like Rick Allen from Def Leppard, who we all know lost his arm right. in a motorcycle accident, has kind of um, mentored him on some things. Nice. And, and they became like friends with each other, I believe. Um, have you had those same type of situations? Cause I'm sure when a guy loses his leg in combat or loses an arm in combat, like they need to talk to someone who could relate to that situation. Yeah, I have. Um, it's not something I've set out to do. Uh, a lot of times it's been my happenstance. Um, you'll get somebody that gets a hold of you and says, Hey man, uh, so-and-so or this person I know just got hurt. They lost their leg. They, you know, they were injured in this, in this fashion, um, would you mind if I gave my, gave you, I'm sorry, gave them your number or, you know, will you reach out to them? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And there was a kid, uh, I remember it happened in Washington, you know, I went up to the hospital and visited him. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I'd like to do more, um, and, you know, not to chicken out on or anything or, you know, slide out of it, but it's like, I've had a lot on my plate recently. It's something that I do want to do. Um, but I'd like to be more settled with where I'm at before I start, um, you know, looking at uh, getting with folks and, you know, volunteering. Um, there is an organization that I just got on board with um, called Catch a Lift. And, uh, you know, it's aimed towards uh, wounded veterans and, uh, uh, you know, adaptive athletes and whatnot. And um, I'm just starting the program there, getting back into uh, a routine because I've, <laughs> I'll be honest that that commute and just life has been kicking my ass and I need to start kicking back with my good leg. Uh, Chris would enjoy that joke. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I just hear him laughing when I, when I said that, um, <laughs> um, but you know, it's something that my wife actually found and then said, Hey, you need to look into this and uh, you go through the program you pass the program, you know, they'll uh, help you out with getting either a gym membership or, um, you know, some home gym equipment. Um, so one thing you know, they ask you when you're in the program, is this something that you'd like to be an ambassador for? Would you like to help reach out? And I think eventually I would, you know, not that I'm some great, you know, power lifter or some great workout guru, but what I do have is like, you know, these times that I've been through and it sucks. I can help people in that aspect. And that's kind of what I'm looking to do down the road a little bit, but I don't have any solid plans yet. Yeah. I, and I mean, it is so vitally important for these guys. I think going through that to have mentors. Um, I don't know if you heard about like the past year, cause I got the chance to meet him um, was Joe, Joe Kapachewski. And I, know, I think yeah. I'm saying his last name, right. Yeah. I, I met him when I was working at Sirius XM. I mean, the first ranger to lose his leg in combat and go back into combat um 
maybe Harold could put it up on the screen, but I know like the last picture that he tweeted out was him and his son at a Braves game. So he's yeah. another Georgia guy seemed to be like loving life and handling things well. And then we, I, and I don't even know the circumstances surrounding his death, to be honest. Um, I, I can assume things just based on the fact that like when you don't hear the cause of death, unfortunately you kind of assume the worst. Right. Um, and you know, that guy losing his life, it, it's just crazy to see because he seemed like such a well-adjusted guy um before we recorded we were kind of talking about being in the spotlight for people like mm -hmm. chris we were talking about he was in the spotlight i think when he put that book out and then he kind of exited back a little bit he mm -hmm. wasn't a guy that you regularly saw in the news um i actually hadn't heard his name for probably a few years until i heard that really unfortunate news right yeah that that came as a shock um to our community and that you know you're you're kind of hitting the nail on the head where it's like hey everything seemed great and you think about the people that have died or, you know, that's happened. Um, it's always a shock because, you know, you get these guys that are alphas and, you know, whether it's online or through your perception, they're like, man, they got it squared away. You just don't know the battles they're fighting. And I think, you know, you see a lot more people reaching out, you know, and saying, Hey, we know it's hard out there. I don't care if it's the middle of the night, you know, 2 AM. I don't care if I'm on vacation, you need to call, you need to, to let me know what's going on. But that's still something that we struggle with is, you know, guys and gals not not speaking out, not saying, hey, I need help. Um, they they appear so strong from the outside, but on the inside, they're barely keeping it together. As someone, you know, myself that I've traveled that road, you know, um, hey, man, you're a squared away cop. You, you're, you know, getting these awards. You're doing this. You're doing that. And it's like, yeah, but I can't keep my shit together, you know, when I'm when I'm by myself home alone or in my thoughts it's awful you know and those are the those are the struggles that we don't see um unfortunately i don't know that we ever will unless that person says shit i need help did you know joe capital and he was, he was younger than you yeah he was and like you um I, I only met him once when he came to uh 275 for something years and years ago i was a i was a tacoma cop at the time um but you know we had a a laugh about missing limbs i think you know that type of thing but uh yeah i only met him that one time and again and you know, like you it was somebody that okay yeah he was younger than me you know got in the army and regiment after me but it's still somebody i looked up to you know you look to and go man that guy squared away yeah i mean especially it's like not only lost a limb in combat went right back into right. combat as soon as he could like you were like yeah. man what a badass and, and totally. have like a great attitude about it because I know that he spoke about in his book or even when people asked him about it, like, aren't you worried about losing the other limb in combat or something? He's like, I, I actually feel more comfortable because anything happens to the prosthetic. Like I can just reattach another one. Right. I'll be fine. Like he, right. he totally on the outside, at least seemed like he had a great attitude about it, had a great family life. And, um, yeah. and also was not once I said, once again, as I said, because I think this could be where, people problems was not a guy who lived his life in the public eye it was in the spotlight like right. put out a book it did well and then just went off to do other things i assume i don't really know what he was doing at the time um he didn't right. write more than one book so i don't think it had anything to do with being a public figure maybe right. doing speeches here and there and maybe he was i mean because that could be traumatic too i think having to like relive these terrible times again and again giving speech about it i could see how that could be a problem and probably hard to move on from that after that can be can be yeah. you know um and that's something 
there's the other side of that though too where you you tell it enough that it becomes okay that it becomes normal you become okay with it and that's something that i've done some um i can't remember the therapy that was called where they um someone else on here will know it you know maybe it'll be in the comments or something but uh it's where they make you tell your story again and again over and over and they actually have like flashing lights going by in front of you um and then you have to keep telling your story telling your story and it's designed i believe to make you just feel okay with it and that was something that i learned before any of this when i was first in the, the hospital at launch tool um regiment you know flew my wife out to meet me and you know they want to know and i started talking about it how i got injured i couldn't even get to the point where i was injured and I broke down and started crying, you know, and then through telling my story numerous times, um, you know, it, it got better, it got easier and I could tell it with ease. So to, to each his own, I mean, for some people, you know, telling the story over and over, maybe relieving it and maybe awful, that's for you to decide, you know, and say, Hey, you know, it's not something I'm comfortable with, or, you know, let's talk about something else. But for other people, you know, ripping that bandaid off and, and talking about it is very healing. You know, so that's just something that, you know, you've got to figure out, but it's also something that you've got to figure out with a team. And what I mean by that is spouses, your support group, uh, a counselor, but that takes you going and saying, Hey, I need this help. Yeah. I would also, I, I guess what I would assume though, is like, you're comfortable talking about your story mm-hmm. at the same time, because of the line of work you do, you don't have to like obsess over it. And it's the like, I couldn't imagine for him, like when I was working at Sirius where I met him, he's going radio show after radio show, give this story again and again, people meet him. I read your, I read your book. I read about this story. And I would think at a certain point, all right, I kind of want to move on to other things. I've even, right. I mentioned Rick Allen from Def Leppard. And I know that he said something like that more recently. He's a guy who's obviously comfortable talking about the story mm-hmm. because it's been decades at this point since he lost his law arm. But I do believe I remember reading that he said, um, like, I'm tired of talking about this. Like, I'd rather talk about drumming and music and that type of thing. The fact that every interview has to do with this. Right. I I can understand that being frustrating. Absolutely. You know, that's your entire identity, you know. Yeah. And you bring up a good point. You know, it's like, hey, I'm not just my injury. You know, um, I'm just a dude that got injured and I'm still okay. Yeah, let's talk about I succeeded in this and drumming, you know, went back to rangering and I became a cop. I did this, but let's move on. Let's let's earn who I was. I totally understand that. Um, yeah, and you know, with Joe, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, going to show after show after show after show after show, boom, boom, boom. That you know, that could be awful. I don't know. And that literally is how it is because like I said, when I met him, it's a midtown Manhattan, right? And mm-hmm. Sirius XM is in the building right across from Fox News, which I'm sure he did. Uh-oh. So it's like, and Sirius XM has channel after channel, just all in the same location. So he probably goes to do one radio show, another radio show, another radio show. All right, we're going to walk across the street to Fox News and you're going to talk about this. And I think anyone, unless you're like a sociopath, um, unless you're like a politician who loves just talking right. about yourself nonstop, would, would be burnt out of it. I know I would. So. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think now, you know, putting myself in that spot, that would be wildly uncomfortable. You know, the times I've got to tell my stories, you know, like here has been, you know, one and done or I've prepared for it um, or I'm in the comfort of my home. You know, I'm in my comfort zone 
when I've told my story, there's been a few times that, you know, I've had to tell my story in front of a group like that, or, you know, you, you know, it's in front of a large audience. And that's something I think that can be pretty off-putting, you know, that can definitely, um, you know, send you into overdrive type thing. You know, when I'm telling onesies and twosies or fivesies, you know, Hey, okay, I'm in my comfort zone, but a thousand people, and there's been times when I've had to speak in front of a school, like on veterans day. And I'm just like, okay, I can get through this. You know, obviously at a school, I leave out some of the, the gory details, but it definitely not my favorite thing to do. So I can only imagine that, you know, going through, you know, show after show after show in front of huge audiences, you know, outside your comfort zone is not great for you. Yeah, I would also just, uh, you know, from your perspective, probably like immediately having to meet new police officers. It's probably the first, how do you get injured? And you have to like tell this whole thing again. Because I also hear about just from guys we've had on the show who are in the same line of work as you and Chris, which I know every veteran hates, is when they meet someone and they tell them they're an Army Ranger, they're a Navy SEAL, and someone will say, have you ever killed anybody? And it's like, <laughs> that is not a question that we want to answer. Yeah. And you know what? I never really, I never really got that. I mean, I think maybe a couple of times that wasn't a very prevalent, you know, question that I was asked, you know, and as far as coming and meeting new cops, you know, um, or meeting somebody new in the line of work, you know, uh, other agents or, you know, police officers, because I worked with some, you know, FBI guys on their bomb squads back in the day. Um, you know, it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. It's like, okay, yeah, I see you've got that. Um, but can you shut up? Can you speak when spoken to? Can you pull your weight? Can you do what I need you to do. I don't care about anything else. You know, yeah. God, do you pray to? Oh, that's nice. Can you pull this button? You know, push this button. Can you pull that? Can you pull me out? You know, that type of thing. So um, and then every once in a while, you get it like on a sidebar when you're done training, you get onesies and twosies like, hey, man. All right. So what happened? You're like, hey, well, this happened. You're like, oh, OK. And then they're done with it. Yeah. Well, and, and that probably is the way it should be. And I think society is is the complete opposite now when I see um, the U.S. Army putting up. Did you see? I mean, this would get into politics, but I mean, uh, it's like the most obvious man who's transitioned to a woman. Right. You see this all over their social media department of defense and like they have a sign on their desk. My pronouns are she, her. What are your pronouns? And it's like the complete opposite of just do your job. I don't care about your personal life. Exactly. I mean, why that has anything to do with how you do your job. Yeah. You know, I don't care about, I don't care about, I don't care your pronouns. I don't care about, you know, the God you pray to, what you ate for breakfast or what you don't eat. Maybe you're kosher, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't care. You know, um, black, white, can you do your job? Yeah. And, and I think that's the attitude of like all the guys we've had on the show and women we've had on the show from your community who have succeeded. Yeah. yeah. That's Male, female, actually. it doesn't matter. Um, some of the best cops that I've met, you know, and that I know female officers that can, you know, to even say that they can hold their own is uh, not doing them service because, you know, there, there's plenty of other cops that wore the badge, male or female, that could not keep up with how they, how they operate. You know, it, doesn't matter we're getting into this whole thing of well this is who i am you know honestly i don't care you know the the people i work with at daniel defense you know i work with you know black white the uh, gay you name it and it's like can you do your job and do it well can you find a defect in that firearm before we send it out i i don't care you know are you doing your job that's it 
Yeah. Well, well said, man. Uh, for the audience, as uh, a lot of you guys do, but uh, if you're not already following Matt, you should. He always has interesting stuff up, and that's that's actually why I thought to bring him back on. So it's at Hop Along Waters, two T's in Waters. Yep. Unlike John Waters, who we had on the last show, so we're the last show that's going up because uh, we're recording this week in advance, going up Tuesday is uh, John Rain Waters, followed by Matt Waters. It's a lot of waters this uh, <laughs> these two weeks. So at Hop Along Waters with two T's. Um, man, anything, anything else that you want to get out there? Any, like you could promo Daniel defense, even though they're not a sponsor anywhere, you know, people should visit or, uh, anything like that. Yeah, no, uh, the only thing I can think of, and I was thinking about it is if you're looking for work and you're in the, uh, the coastal Georgia area, we are hiring. Um, shoot. I, I posted that when I first came on, I took a photo of the job board and I was like, come work with me, you know, um, it, it comes with its own challenges. It's a good job. Um, you know, it comes with its own challenges, you know, some things that you might not like, but I tell you what, it's a good job with good people. Um, come and work for us, man. And then yeah, I got two guys now, uh, one just left us, um, younger guys. And I was like, look for you guys. I was like, this is a good job. I said, it's not a career. I said, you need to go out and, you know, get on your career path and then come back. Maybe, you know, um, one, one kid's in the, I call him a kid. Sorry, Jeremy, you're not a kid. Um, uh, you know, National Guard is uh, looking at going and do some better, bigger and better things. And I'm like, get on it, man. I said, I love having you here. You're a great worker. You're, you know, you're fun to be around, you know, fun to bullshit with at work. I said, but you need to go out and, you know, uh, experience life and come back someday. Uh, but no, I mean, we, we are taking from the top to the bottom, we're taking people. So if you're a good, honest, hardworking, whoever, you know, come and look us up at danodefense.com, um, I believe, you know, career slash careers or whatever it is, but you can find it. You guys can run a computer. You know how to find it. Um, no. And then as far as any other veteran programs, you know, I'm still with uh, Homes for Our Troops and uh, like I said, catch a lift. But that's right now, that's more for me trying to get my butt back into shape. But they have a they have a good website. You know, it's the type of thing that, you know, if you're looking to donate to something good, you know, making people healthy and getting them back into life. Uh, Catch a lift is a good program. That's, that's awesome to hear. That would be cool. If someone ends up joining uh, the team that heard about it through battle on podcasts, that'd be, totally. that'd be cool that uh, yeah, our, our, our podcast is helping people get employed, things like that Yeah, uh, through no help of me, just, just you talking about it. So yeah, man, always, always great talking to you. I, I have man. your cell phone. You can hit me up anytime. Always like, uh, you know, speaking with you and, and yeah, if you're ever here, which I don't think you will be, but if I'm ever there, hopefully we'll be at some point. Yeah, man. If you're ever in New York, I mean, I've met people from the show who were friends of Chris really, who happened to be here for some reason. So, but then I, I'm like, what would Daniel defense be doing in New York? Probably nothing. Like this is not the friendliest firearm state, not quite no. as bad as Connecticut. Connecticut was even worse. No, you're right. Um, but we do, you know, we're part of shows. Um, we send our guys out. In fact, we, um, we send guys out to do repairs, um, for, you know, big agencies or, you know, stuff like that. I've seen guys go places, uh, but there's been trade shows all over the U S that, uh, we send people out to, um, from our sales department. So, you know, they may be there. You never know. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks Matt. That's all for this episode of battle line podcast, but we're always posting new content on social media. Follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. 
That's an order. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes up every Tuesday. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, never quit.